Well, uh, to about 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And uh, it's always nice to see Donald Trump play nice for a couple of days. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he was he was ignored, but uh, boy, after Friday, uh, some of the lunacy that he was spilling out right before he left for Europe was remarkable. I think he got there and realized that the G7 next year is supposed to be in America. And he, of course, is bizarrely... Suggesting that it be held at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> yeah, I mean his uh, com- his comments about that basically sound like a promotional video yeah. for uh, come and visit this luxurious uh, establishment. I mean, it's prima facie evidence of um, flagrant violation of the emoluments clause. Sure. I mean, how more brazen and blatant could it be? And of course, it comes as his. Uh... <clears throat> His name is being removed from yet another building in uh, the grand old city, the Big Apple of New York City, due to complaints from people who own units in one of his former buildings. Mark my words, not only is the brand damaged, but the word itself, the name. Uh, this guy is the Benedict Arnold of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And for generations to come, his name will be synonymous with malfeasance. Arrogance and ignorance. Incompetence, yes. Yeah. He's he's a specialty. That's a specialty. And uh, <clears throat> you could even see Friday, you know, with his sort of uh, angry comments about the chairman of the Fed, who ironically was out in, in uh, Wyoming. Yeah, he's a bigger enemy than China. Yeah, who, who, what's the question? <laughs> but it, when that didn't move the markets down, and you sometimes wonder about Donald Trump, is he selling the market short at times? Um, Purposefully? But, yeah, but then when he made the comments about an hour later, in fact, the Wall Street Journal has a very interesting graph showing how uh, once he, quote, ordered all American companies to leave China, <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous. By dictatorial fiat. I mean, I have this power. What uh, what lunacy are we talking about here? And of course, earlier in the week, it was other things. You know, I am the Messiah. Mm. I am the King of the Jews. He was <laughs> spreading uh, the chosen one. The chosen one. Of course, the, uh, Damien was also a chosen one. So it was a bizarre week, and of course, ironically, I think the most troubling news story of the week. And I don't know why this didn't get a little more coverage. Certainly, the uh, these uh, raging wildfires in, in the Amazon are, are just terrible. But I found it quite interesting that on uh, Wednesday night, the government quietly uh, reported, the Labor Department reported, remember that Acosta was in charge of the Labor Department, mm-hmm. they reported that... Uh, 500,000 fewer jobs were created in late 2018 and early 2019 than previously reported. Uh, this, These revisions, which are, quote, preliminary, this is by Ben Castleman, 
in uh, Thursday's New York Times business section. Back in the back, not not a blaring uh, headline-type story, notes that the revisions, which were uh, which are preliminary, are part of an annual process in which survey-based estimates are brought into alignment with more definitive data from state unemployment insurance records. Uh, Michigan Radio, of course, reported today that uh, Michigan has, has basically created zero jobs this year. And in fact, the auto industry is going to be further hit with these tariffs that Trump uh, is planning on raising yet again. Um, and 500,000 jobs over a six-month period is significant. This is not a minor number. This is 80,000 jobs. Now, they are um, <clears throat> accounting for this revision uh, basically based on um, um, not as many restaurants uh, opening up um, and then retailers uh, apparently uh, have been shedding jobs. And we've known about that for quite some time. And I don't think that the real ta- the retail sector is going to be a good area to be in <clears throat> when you see that many of these tariffs are specifically targeted to merchandise, consumer like sh- goods, shoes, and yeah, shirts and <clears throat> pantalones yeah. and uh, consumer goods that uh, China makes. China, of course, is I think anticipated uh, th- this tariff situation. Uh, Many years ago, in fact, because they've been moving a lot of production uh, themselves out of China into uh, lower-cost labor countries like Cambodia and Vietnam. Singapore. And the one Silk Road thing. And uh, Trump strangely reported today that he had gotten a call from China and that uh, they want to make a deal. Talks are on again. So they're going to have their 13th round of talks. These talks have been going on for... Most of Trump's presidency, and they're going nowhere. And of course, it also underscores the G7 that Trump has had a tariff war against our allies. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, he started out one of his first acts as president was to crack down on Canadian lumber. Uh, this uh, going back to uh, Early 2018, late 2017, uh, there was a significant downturn in uh, <clears throat> Canadian lumber footboards p- purchased by American auto uh, housing um, builders, and this led to a very steep increase in the cost of home prices. So these are taxes. China's not paying the tariffs. You are. And Lindsey Graham is, uh, you know, happily perched in his uh, lapdog posture on the weekend chat shows saying, well, we're just going to America's just going to have to take this, you know, pain. And uh, nobody's had the nerve to stand up to China before. And Trump's the first guy to do it. And it's there's going to be some pain. and We're just going to have to take it. Well, I hope the uh, voters and citizens of the fine state uh, that he is the senatorial representative of, uh, let him know how they feel about that pain. Because Lindsey Graham is not feeling any pain. He's clearly whacked out of his gourd on some sort of uh, mind-altering substance. 
Well, he was an opponent of Trump in the primaries and actually one of the few Republicans that pretty much uh, pointed out that Donald Trump was not quite all there. But he changed his tune rather quickly when he realized uh, that if he didn't get behind the president, he would be facing a uh, primary challenge. Uh, good to hear that Joe Walsh. na 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 I eat Danish pastries from 9 to 5. <laughs> Burger King is what keeps me alive. Uh, <clears throat> former T-bagger tea bar, uh, tea, tea is, uh, is going to throw his hat in the ring with William Weld challenging Trump. But interestingly, by the way, the manufacturing uh, index re reported the first decline since 2009. And earlier in the month, the Institute for Supply Management uh, noted that the service sector growth is the slowest since 2016. So Trump's tariff policies are clearly not working. And yet Trump is trying to blame Jerome Powell. So on the very same day in which the government quietly reports that 500,000 jobs were not created that Trump's been bragging about for the last eight months. Trump says the economy is great, but we need a stimulus. Well, I mean, nothing he's, quote unquote, achieved or accomplished is working at all. Yeah, you know, What's happening at the border is a disgrace with the caging of children, uh, the tax cut that was rushed through in the night without anybody having had a chance to read it has virtually guaranteed the the debt to you know go up by a trillion dollars uh that trickle down effect just doesn't work um and the story on the front page of today's paper they're they're to quote ned flanders's dad we tried nothing and we're like all out of ideas they're strategy going forward into 2020 because that's really i think all trump cares about is his own personal fortunes uh, with regard to the upcoming election vote me in to keep me out of prison um the country be damned uh is this story uh by kenneth vogel trump's allies scour internet to punish press they've designated a whole oh yeah wing of people to simply attack the people who write and report on the malfeasance and incompetence of Donald J. Trump. And the actual quotes. They have no defense yeah, for his quotes. ignorance. Yeah, the actual quotes. I mean, yeah. Trump will say something, then then he'll deny that he said it, even though they've got it on tape. Yeah, exactly. So it's like this, really, this is their strategy is to, oh, well, we'll just uh, denounce and undermine people who are accurately reporting what the kingpin moron is saying. That's not a workable strategy and of course what they is in, it jeez. Oh, well in sports as the as the phrase goes it's called gaming the refs yeah, yeah working the ref right and this is happening both with the media and with jerome powell in other words uh -huh. trump has put out this jerome powell is the big is the big is who is he a bigger villain than xi jinping uh inquiring minds want to know people say that he is he's been using that strategy for now for about uh six months this has become his standard operation of distraction. Um, this, of course, has been reported extensively for 
for uh, years. It's interesting that just from a headline in February of this uh, this past year related to um, immigration, the headline says, Playbook After a Loss, Defense by Distraction. And that's pretty much what happens uh, with this president. He keeps distracting the public from his bizarre conduct. I mean, even this, you know, it's a relatively trivial matter, but this whole thing with Denmark, it's just bizarre. You know, oh, I'm canceling my trip to Denmark because you won't sell me Greenland. (laughs) Like, where did that idea even come from? It, It was a distraction from the week before. Uh, but he was able to keep this as a news cycle for about five days. The Prime Minister of Denmark uh, rightly put the idea to rest. And I'm kind of curious why Trump didn't offer to buy Italy, <laughs> since their government uh, apparently is going to have new elections. And, uh, well, another quite interesting thing over the weekend with some of these Middle East drone attacks and shootdowns and what's actually going on there. Well, and last week it was reported in the Times that the United Arab Emirates, Israel, and the U.S. were having secret meetings to discuss Iran policy. Sure. Uh, that's not a comforting notion, considering that uh, uh, Jared Kushner is supposedly the uh, big brain behind all of Trump's Middle East maneuvers, and... Uh, Whose peace plan, by the way, consists pretty much of a leveraged corporate buyout. Right. That the Palestinians are not buying. Um, I heard an Israeli spokesman uh, today claim that Iran was responsible for all of the problems in the Middle East. Uh, They blamed Iran for Yemen, Syria, Lebanon, and Iraq. And I found that uh, attribution somewhat strange since it was the United States that went in to Iraq, that's just factually what happened. The Saudis are the ones that went into Yemen. So, yes, the Houthis have a loose connection with the Iranian government, but they are not allied in any formal alliance. And furthermore, if you look at a map of Yemen, you may question how Iran could even get arms to Yemen. Uh, They would have to go through Saudi Arabia or the Suez Canal. Even a fly-through would be difficult. You'd have to go all the way around. You'd have to come up the Red Sea. Yeah, or around the Gulf of Oman. Mm -hmm. Uh, The American military uh, patrols that area pretty scrupulously, I've been told. The Saudis have an active air force that they bought from money that we— Gave to them. So I don't dispute that the Houthis are are using small um, missile, uh, small missile technology and are attacking Saudi Arabia. But just a couple of weeks ago, it occurred to the uh, the Emiratis, the United Arab Emirates, that their ground forces were leaving Yemen because they regarded it as a losing venture. And we're somewhat disappointed that Saudi Arabia was doing virtually nothing other than dropping American bombs. 
bought and paid for by American taxpayers as part of these arms sales that have been uh, going to Saudi Arabia despite all of the human rights violations of Saudi Arabia, the Khashoggi murder, and Congress's uh, disapproval of Trump's Saudi policy. Uh, Lebanon is a different story. Certainly, Iran has long been in Lebanon. But how did Iran go into Lebanon originally? When Israel invaded. Invaded in 82, yeah. That's... And the Israeli government doesn't want to acknowledge these historical facts. As for Syria, that's a very different situation. That is an, uh, sort of an outgrowth of the so-called Arab Spring. Nobody can defend Assad. Um, except the Russians. Except the Russians. <laughs> and, of course, Trump wants them back in the, in the G8. Um, they haven't done anything all that bad. Uh, they just annexed the Sudetenland. I mean, the Ukraine. The Ukraine. Crimea. And, of course, that's almost analogously comparable to what's going on in the West Bank. Mm -hmm. You know, that's part of the um, criticism that I don't, you know, I don't think Americans, I think we've lost focus about it over the years. I know that even myself, I've lo I've lost some interest in the uh, Palestinian-Israeli uh, dispute. Well, I it looked think that... Arafat made a terrible mistake in in 2000 not accepting the deal with with Ehud Barak. I, yeah, I mean that was the last best chance. Probably there was a glimmer of hope within the Oslo Accords yeah. that, amazingly enough, H. W. Bush was responsible for actually putting real tangible pressure on Israel to uh, compel them to attend that uh, summit, and things looked. Hopeful, um, but the so-called peace process has been a joke and clearly a fig leaf to uh, turn a blind eye while Israel has continued, continued to uh, develop settlements aplenty. Uh, kind of a disingenuous opinion piece by Thomas Friedman last week in the New York Times. Um, very squeamish about the, oh, you know... Um, the Democrats are misreading uh, the Middle East um, and Trump's bizarre chosen one comments. And, and, you know, Friedman was rightfully condemning Trump for his uh, Jews uh, who don't support me aren't loyal Jews. Um, but let's let's be blunt here. Uh, Trump's interest in peace is is non-existent. Uh, he's not really serious about this. Jared Kushner is a, a complete and utter lightweight. And the long-term solution is the one that nobody wants to acknowledge or address, which is, why isn't Israel a binational secular state? That's the peace plan. The two-state solution is, at this point, boxed out of existence by the Israeli settlement process. They've sort of painted themselves into a corner where that's not going to be uh, something that is viable. Uh, there are logistical reasons, of course, why Israel doesn't want to have a binational secular state. But, you know, uh, it's the uh, elements of apartheid that go unspoken in pieces like Friedman's. Um, yes, there are Arab Israelis in the Knesset, uh, but building permits 
for Palestinians living in occupied territory, they don't get those. They can't make improvements to their homes or businesses, their access to banking. It's basically it's redlining. It's what it is, uh, as has happened over here. It's very similar to, to what happened here with African-Americans uh, back in the 50s and 60s. So uh, the Palestinians have been painted out, boxed out, and, uh, you know, what can you do? You just shrug and give up. It's Even Palestinians are like, well, I guess we're doomed and this is the life that we'll be stuck with forever. Well, and there's so much warfare going all around Israel that it's very difficult to, to talk peace in any rational um, sort of detached way with professionals. And one of mm -hmm. the problems with Jared Kushner is uh, <clears throat> he's a real estate dude. I mean, you know, what, what does he know about international diplomacy? I don't know. This is hard work. Uh, this requires uh, commitments and uh, knowledge of history and economics and geography and languages, and none of which he possesses. Well, and this, of course, is at the heart of the problem with the, with the Chinese negotiations um, over trade. And, you know, I don't think Americans get a proper understanding of the PRC, the Chinese Communist Revolution, what it was about. They like to think in terms of the Cultural Revolution and the Great Leap Forward. Mao was a mass killer and yada, yada. There's a kind of a narrative that they've set up that we can't take China seriously because Mao Zedong, some conservatives will say he was the greatest murderer of the 20th century. Um, I think China has had famines uh, for centuries, by the way. So I don't, I, you know, I think the failures of the Great Leap Forward, uh, while, while quite obvious, uh, <clears throat> are not the whole story. And when Mao Zedong, and the reason that he's important to, to read and understand, you don't have to agree with him, mm -hmm. but you have to understand how he turned this backward country into a superpower. You know, Trump dismissed China. He said, we don't need China. Well, <laughs> that's a very interesting comment to make, but they are the second largest economy in the world. They do have 1.4 billion people. They're very significant in the area, for instance, of addressing global warming problems. They're making commitments mm -hmm. uh, to address the problem, unlike the United States. In fact, they've been so successful at uh, building solar panels, they've put American companies out of business. And they have invested a lot of capital in many third world countries both for their own economic reasons, but also the cementing of alliances. But when you read Mao Zedong and you understand that self-reliance and the ideology, America is a paper tiger. He famously said that in the 1950s. Um, when uh, American troops were about to cross the Yalu River during the Korean War, he put a warning through the Indian ambassador to warn the United States not to do that, that if they did that, China would regard that as a threat to their sovereignty. Mm -hmm. They knew what Douglas MacArthur had as his real agenda. There's plenty of evidence that Douglas MacArthur thought he could roll back communism during the Korean War. Mm -hmm. Mao Zedong sent a million ground troops to the Korean War. And, of course, 
China suffered more casualties than any other nation. But the point is, they made a stand to say, you are not coming into China. Yalu River, by the way, is in North Korea. But the point is, self-reliance, um, the idea of Chinese nationalism, the idea of anti-imperialism, that China's been pushed around for hundreds of years by Western powers. You know, there have been these uh, protests in Hong Kong. have been going on for months. It's a fascinating story. But I keep hearing the uh, conservatives trying to blame mainland China for the, the, the riot police that are operating in Hong Kong. They're not. They're, those police are working for uh, Miss Lam. What's, what's her first name? Carrie Lam. She's the one that put out this bad idea about extradition treaty. It actually originally had to do with a murder involving Taiwan. You know, interestingly enough, if you go back and you check the details, this is a student young movement. This is related to economic deprivation in addition to uh, political goals that they have. This turnover to Red China, and they've, of course, got garrisons of troops on the Hong Kong island. Let's remember, this is a small place. I think I read somewhere that Hong Kong is like 35 square miles, it's got seven and a half million people. <laughs> I mean, think about that. It's about the size of Ann Arbor. <laughs> With an economy like, almost resembling Manhattan. And of course, ironically, we do more trade with Hong Kong than we do with Russia. If you, if you actually look up the statistics, Hong Kong is one of the few countries where America has a large trade surplus why because it's an island country they can't manufacture uh telescopes and microscopes and scientific equipment they make really good action movies with the cameras that they buy <laughs> and, and some of the machinery that's that, that america does export or computer chips and all these other things that have come into play in this symbiotic relationship that's quite obvious you know, when, when Trump makes these outrageous comments about China, it's American tech companies that go way down. Computer chip makers go way down. It's not just the farmers. And Abe has agreed to buy millions of dollars worth of corn? <laughs> what? Are, are the Japanese going to start eating cornbread? <laughs> well, I mean, they're buying their soybeans from Brazil now. China so, is. China is, right. So, But, but this... Japan, is, you know, Trump wanted to throw out, well, we're, we're, we, we've, I've made a deal with Abe. It's not a total loss. <laughs> we're going to sign it when he comes to the U.N. next next uh, month. That's what Trump was saying today in the, in the spin room uh, as part of his press conference. Because, of course, the European leaders are keeping their distance from Trump for a number of reasons. It's pointless to talk with him. There's there's nothing to be gained. There will be no agreements reached, uh, no serious, thoughtful consideration. Um, he is a walking spin room. I mean, wherever he plants his ass is the spin room. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, – although I have to admit it was amusing to watch uh, – I saw a small – 
section of uh, conversation he was having through interpreters um, on C-SPAN over the weekend uh, from Japan, or representatives of Japan and economic policies sure. uh, that are negotiated between the U.S. and Japan. And uh, when the Japanese was being spoken, you could see uh, waiting for the translator to make the, the translation. Trump would close his eyes and you could just read his body language. I'm so tired. I'm so jet lagged. Oh, I wish I was golfing. I don't want to be. I don't even know what these guys are talking about. Right. Uh, interestingly, though, just the the logistics of uh, filming and broadcasting these conversations, I thought it was fascinating the way they had positioned the seats of the translators were such that, you know, based on the camera placement, you could not see the faces of either translator. They were sort of obscured and concealed behind uh, Trump had uh, an undersecretary sure. sitting with him. And it made me think back. Everybody wants to know who was the translator in Helsinki. Sure. That's the only other person besides Trump, Putin and Putin's translator who knows what was said between those guys in that meeting? And I still want to know. And who was that person? And what the hell went on in that room? Right. And and also, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, the day after Trump fired Comey uh, for reasons that are still uh, a mystery. <laughs> Russia had nothing to do with it. He says. He had Kislyak and Lavrov, mm -hmm. the ambassador, in the Oval Office, in the Oval Office with the American media banned, but mm -hmm. the Russian media allowed in yep. there. So what was said? There was a lot of palling around, and of course, uh, Trump uh, used the occasion to tell the Russians that he got rid of Comey because he was a nutbag. He's a nutbag. He's and a grandstander. He's a you know, and here he is again, you know, pleading, uh, carrying Putin's water, pleading the case that, oh, we got to have him in the in the gang. Uh, the, it should be the G8 because Russia should be inside the tent. Well, now Russia got kicked out of the tent because they crapped on the floor. Sure. <laughs> That's the old uh, Lenny Bruce thing. Uh, and Russia, you know, for, for the record, is meeting frequently with Kim Jong-un, uh, Trump's favorite uh, pen pal. Uh, they have cemented uh, big trade relations mm -hmm. with China, by the way. Uh, China is, uh, <laughs> you know, the the idea that uh, we can live without China is, is, is kind of naive at this point. Um, and, of course, there's destruction going on in the forests of Siberia with lumber and forest fires going on there. So if if Trump were actually serious about having Putin at the meetings, because as he put it, and I'm paraphrasing there, um, he he's involved in in the issues that are important. Well, true, because he's causing many of the problems. <laughs> well, let's hear what he has to say about global warming. What's yeah. his plan? He he of course wants to just you know export oil and natural gas and sell lumber to China, and. Um, shore up that military uh, naval base and air force base in Syria. Um, and uh, continue to cover up uh, atomic uh, mishaps and, and at military bases. You know, 